You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Jessa Reed. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. When you live a lot of life, you you kind of start to sense that there is a a curtain somewhere to get behind, you know? So I think they are um, kind of the same thing. When you start to really look at your trauma and your programming and what makes you tick and your involvement in all of it, uh, you start to see that reality isn't quite how it's been presented or how we've assumed that it works. That sometimes reality, let's face it, is boring. I mean, sometimes it's surreal, but a lot of times it's just like, is this real? Um, and if that can be a way, like, gosh, I've got to, I've got to change the way I see that. You know, I was just wondering, you know, what was that way in for you? Is it it's like a dissatisfaction? Uh, disillusionment is what I would say. And if I had to narrow it down to one word that made me want to use drugs, it was boredom. And that that boredom was like with the entire thing, with what was presented to me as what reality is. As a, as a little kid, when you start hearing the adults be like, oh, enjoy being a little kid because when you're an adult, it's about working a job that you don't like the vast majority of your days to pay for a house that is just to shelter you in between working. And it just, I, the whole thing, I was like, well, what, why would we do that? And so I was pretty, by the time I became a teenager, young adult, I was already like, I'm not interested in this in the slightest. It doesn't feel true. First of all, Um, I feel gaslit by this version of reality I'm being fed, but also if this is it, no thanks. And so the entire time, you know, I spent five years just outside of society on meth and most of the other people on drugs would talk about their old life or wanting to go back to their old life. And I was very just happy where I was because it felt more real and it felt more autonomous. And it, at least I was choosing it. And so it was traumatic and awful and a lot of horrible things happened and my teeth were falling out and sometimes I didn't have a place to sleep at night, but I was choosing it. And the other version of reality felt just completely pointless. All my stuff's autobiographical and I want people to laugh at my pain because then they can learn to laugh at their own pain. And for me, that has been, um, it's been the thing that has made my life fantastic. I've had so much more space for the beautiful things because I haven't gotten bogged down in the painful things and, and comedy has provided that for me, that, that comedic perspective has provided that for me. And so I want to connect people to that. And, uh, you have to be pretty methodical to do that. I mean, like meth piece specifically uh, to get people to let you tell them a story that dark took quite a bit of like strategy. I could, I could have never like winged that because people, there's like, you know, it's 16 minutes of just darkness. And so about five minutes in people are like, I'm done, you know? So to like, um, 
Pied Piper them into this kind of world that they've, you know, only like judged on the surface. Yeah, I don't know. I I personally don't have the skill set to to do that uh, in the moment, but I do really admire that talent in other comedians. What I actually learned on drugs and then eventually didn't need drugs anymore because I was like, oh, I can actually do this sober is that my version of reality isn't the collective delusion. It isn't the, like what everyone else has decided about what reality is, doesn't actually have a ton to do with me. It obviously has a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of really unfair uh, systemic issues that need to be dealt with. And um, I believe I'm actually really hopeful. I'm really as, as, as big of a mess as everything is right now. I truly believe this is the, the collapse of something and something great is coming. But what I've learned is that my reality is something that exists inside of me and that I am able, no matter what the outside circumstances are, I am able to paint that portrait any way that I want. And that's actually something I learned homeless, without money for food, with no teeth, on the streets, addicted to drugs. And I was still finding happiness in those moments. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is an inside job. And so that's something I forget, you know, I feel like last year was a lot of external enemy narratives uh, for me. I had a lot of uh, trauma. Actually, I would say the last few years, uh, a lot of childhood trauma. I think I was working through and, you know, in other people as mirrors. But this year uh, has been a much more internal year for me. And I, what I hope to communicate on my podcasts is that each of us has the ability to create utopia within ourselves. And then that will affect the way the entire world experiences reality. Like we can reprogram this reality. We are not just victims of it. We can program it. We do have that power. In January of 2000, um, I died at a club called The Ohm which is hilarious to me. And I uh, went to a big blue ball of light and which told me I could stay if I wanted to stay and I could go back to earth if I wanted to go back to earth. And I just came out of that knowing things. And then over the course of the next few years, had a lot of contact with um, what I call aliens. They kind of look like aliens. And, um, but not like extraterrestrial aliens, just like higher, um, dimensional beings. And, uh, basically they said that reality is a game that we play here on earth so that like our souls can learn that, uh, we were the dinosaurs and every other iteration of humans, but that the game that we were currently in would be ending soon. And that this game was a fear-based dichotomy-based reality, we would be coming out of that. And uh, a lot of the things that they said would happen started happening around uh, 2012 to 2017. Uh, it's obviously all happening right now. And so in that time, 
they, I already had a couple gifts that had shown up when I was younger and had kind of gotten in trouble for when I was a born again Christian. I could uh, see people's trauma and how it was affecting their lives. I could see what they were like stories they were telling themselves. Uh, that kicked up and um, it was almost like I was being trained, but you know, I was also on drugs. So my disclaimer is always, you know, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's methamphetamines, but <laughs> I, um, yeah, I had a lot of very supernatural experiences in that time. This reality is currently dualistic. This reality currently does have this idea of good and bad. And so when I say these things don't actually exist, they don't matter. In higher dimensional reality, when we leave this physical form and we go back into source and, and the, the rules, the parameters are constructs, but the constructs are valid and we are really having these experiences. Like we are really feeling this trauma. So when I zoom out, I go, it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter that I was molested as a kid. Like that, that isn't on a you know, in the 12th dimension, it isn't really of any consequence but it's in my body, that trauma's in my body. It affects my life. It, it informs my, the way that I move through the world. And so I think there is this, the further you go into consciousness, you have to be able to hold multiple ideas at the same time and understand when to apply what. And there's this pressure in spirituality to be above your trauma and be above this idea of right or wrong. And that is that spiritual bypassing. And that will always boomerang back because the most important work to be done right now is the clearing of trauma and the releasing of this stuff from our body and integrating the ability to feel our feelings because I think sometimes people talk about like, oh, the fifth dimensional reality, like it's some pie in the sky woo thing where we levitate. And it's like literally just your emotions. It's just being able to perceive something with your mind, uh, which I would consider fourth dimensional reality, and then process it through your emotional body. And so the reason that 5D Earth would be a paradise, a utopia, is because if everybody could truly feel their feelings, and had all the trauma out of their body, all the backlog of trauma out of their body, we wouldn't have wars because the wars and the, and the trauma and the violence and the sexual violence and, the, and all of this is coming from people not being able to feel their feelings and not being able to process through their emotional body. And so a lot of times this, you know, this kind of, I shit on new age spirituality a lot because it's, it's nonsense, this fluffy shit. It's like, no, we're talking about feelings. So that instinct to go, okay, well, not it's it does, it doesn't matter. That is liberating when you're stuck in your mental space and you're just you're you're just analysis paralysis. But that's not helpful information if you're using it to avoid processing your feelings and and feeling. Um, because that is really like kind of how you how the, how the cycle of an experience, which is what we're here for is just experience. And that's where good and bad don't exist, you know? Um, but if you can't feel it, 
then you just stuff it into your body and it and it and it mirrors back to you in every future experience. It actually started when I started getting abused. I started this like attention seeking thing. And there was almost this voice in my head that was always saying, this will show them. And so I would do these like dramatic, and I was a pretty good actress. I would create these entire realities and worlds. At one point I had this bus driver convinced that I was a teen mom, um, but I was in Delaware and, uh, and you know, so everyone knows everyone. So the bus driver then went to my stepmom, who was a bartender and was like, man, that's crazy. She handles all this and like also a child. And my stepmom was like, what? <laughs> um, but I was creating these, I was trying to get people to listen, you know, and that, that played out until I started doing drugs. I think I kind of snapped out of the bullshit stuff once life got crazy enough that I didn't need to make anything up. Um, for me, uh, I'm a uh, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself kind of person, but forgiveness for me is not necessarily connected to the person. And this is something like with childhood trauma stuff, as I was working through it, both of my parents who are now sober and, and healed and, you know, really regretful of a lot of things. I've definitely had time where I told them because they can receive it, you know, they're, they're able to take responsibility or whatever, but it, it's kind of just separate for them. It's just, now it's me and that experience. I do, I am someone who forgives very fast and I don't need you to apologize for me to forgive. I'm, ex I'm like annoyingly objective. So whenever I'm taking a stance or have an opinion on something, that opinion truly lasts for like five minutes. And then I go, well, if you look at it, you put yourself in their shoes. And most people, everyone's just doing the best they can with what they got. And even the horrific serial killers are just glitched out trauma. You know, they're just people that got broken by trauma. And so, but for my own personal traumas, yes, but I don't think it can be feigned forgiveness. I don't think, I think everything's a process and I don't think you should rush yourself to anything ever, but there is, there is a temptation to hold on to resentment because it feels like if you don't hold on to this resentment, you are letting them off the hook. And I don't believe that is true. Uh, when I'm resenting someone now I'll kick people out of my life. If you don't know how to fucking act, I just, I don't, I don't care if you're my parents. I don't care if you're my, I don't, I, I literally, I don't think we need to hold on to relationships of any sort. If I'm in a romantic relationship and it's not working bye. We have this idea that we have to keep people around because they've been around for a long time. I don't believe in any of that, but I can kick you out of my life because you don't know how to act, um, but also forgive you because that resentment, it, it takes energy from your system to maintain that. And also it keeps you, it keeps you in a, it keeps you in a circumstance and you don't pass the whole thing through. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you so much for listening.